Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. We got an interesting text to study tonight, and I probably say that quite often, but it's, it's just the case. We, it's just an interesting text. Tonight, we are going to be looking at what I tend to believe is one of the most misused and abused verses or text in the church today. So I want to begin this way before I unpack it. I want to read this text, and then we're going to look at it kind of verse by verse, because we don't want to fall into the same tread or the same kind of path that others have fallen into when they misinterpret this. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Let's read it. Here's what King Jesus said to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That's a tremendous text. It's an amazing text. It says some incredible things. But I would say that it is quite often misunderstood, misapplied. And I say that because historically I have seen people take this text and apply to this text, and they will say, this text specifically is a blank check, right? That anyone, at any time, under any condition, can ask anything. And God is somehow bound to answer that prayer because of this text right here. And this verse, this, this whole text, and these few verses, 7, 8, and, and even going into 9, there's a group of people that have this theology, and it's called, it's heretical, it's called the name it and claim it theology, and this is one of their principal cornerstone verses, and they will say that. They will say, man, if you name it, right, if you name it, then you can claim it. And they cite this verse specifically. And they'll say something like this. Maybe you've heard it. I've heard it multiple times, but they'll say something like this. In a prayer, they'll say something like this. God, I stand on the promise that Jesus made, Matthew 7, 7, where you will answer and you will give as long as I ask. So I'm going to ask. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to name it, and then I am going to claim it. I am going to cash in the blank check of Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And so that's where it gets twisted, and that's where it gets distorted. But church, I've got to tell you, that is not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not obligating God to answer our prayers simply because we ask. God is not a circus clown who jumps through our hoops 
when we ask him to do it. That's simply not the case. That's simply not what this text is saying. And I kid you not, I have seen men and women, um, lovely men and women, but they're of this persuasion, and I've heard them pray, and it sounds as though that they're commanding God what to do. And they'll say, God, I want this. God, give me this. Something, something like that. But I'm telling you, it is a dangerous place to be when the creation is telling the creator what to do. All right? So the question is, what is Jesus saying here? And that's, that's what's on us tonight. What is Jesus saying here? If he's not saying you can name it and you can claim it, what is he saying? Well, let me just kind of set this up so we can better understand it before we unpack it. In order to rightfully understand this text, quite honestly, in order to rightfully understand any text, you've got to understand it in the context of the Scripture around it. And this text right here is not a standalone text. It is part of a larger text known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so you cannot just pull something out of the Sermon on the Mount, set it over here, push into it what you want it to say, and then present it as though it is the truth. You can't do that. You can't do that to any text. That's called proof texting, and it's not helpful at all. It does not honor God or Scripture. So let's think about this text in context of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? In this text, Jesus is, to be sure, talking about prayer. This is on prayer, okay? We're going to get into that. But we got to remember that this is not the first time that Jesus has talked about a prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has already talked about the duty of prayer, the method of prayer, the attitude of prayer. He's given us an outline on prayer. He's talked about the content of prayer. That was the Lord's Prayer. So the question that comes to my mind is this. Why in the world is Jesus, in the greatest sermon ever preached, returning to a subject, prayer, that he's already clearly covered multiple times. What's going on here? Well, I'll tell you this. He's not giving us a blank check. But if you read this prayer in context of the Sermon on the Mount, you begin to understand what's going on. Here's how the flow goes. You read the Sermon on the Mount. I don't care who you are, any person. You read the Sermon on the Mount, and as soon as you start reading, you're going to come away with the realization that you cannot do everything that Christ is saying we ought to do. You're like, Jesus, I can't do this. I can't love how you tell me to love, right? I can't be meek how you ask me to be meek. I cannot love my enemy like you've told me to love my enemy. And Jesus here, I think, is saying, I agree with you. You cannot do these things in and of yourselves. You can't do it. But if you pray... If you ask, and you seek, and you knock for these spiritual blessings, I will answer you. So to the Christian, it would be something like this. You read the Sermon on the Mount, and it says, Blessed are the meek, and you say, I cannot be meek. Jesus says, Come to me, right? Ask, seek, and knock, and I am going to give you a spirit of meekness. I can't be salt and light, King Jesus. Jesus says, Come to me, ask, seek, and knock. I can't love my enemies. And Jesus says, come to me. I desire for you to bless you with all these spiritual blessings. Come to me, ask, seek, and knock. And I will supernaturally cause you to love 
your enemies. Church, this is not a blank check. It is an invitation to those who seek to live out the Sermon on the Mount in their lives to drop to their knees and say, Father, God, help me to live out the Sermon on the Mount in my life. What we got to understand, and even what I have to understand, God will never give anyone something he does not want them to have. He won't do it. He's not going to do it. And it doesn't matter how many times you ask, man. God only gives good things. And the problem is many of us ask for things that are not good, and it would be wrong to get frustrated at God because he refuses to give you a bad things. So let's get into this. And that's the setup. It's not a blank check. It's not a blank check. It's in context of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus saying, you want these spiritual blessings. You want to do all these things. Come to me, ask, seek, and knock, and I will not withhold from you. So Jesus tells us in these verses three ways we as believers are to pray. We're praying for spiritual blessings, and he will answer. He will answer. So it's tremendous Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Verse 7, first thing King Jesus is going to tell his disciples on the sermon that he's giving on this mount is that we are to pray with persistence. Persistence. Let me read verse 7 to you. And this is Jesus to his disciples, his followers. He says, ask. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. So for the person desiring to live out the Sermon on the Mount in their lives, and they know they cannot in their own ability, Jesus gives us a triple command. These are imperatives for each of us, a triple command. Let's look at them. This is, this is good stuff. Man, this blesses me so much. This encourages me. The first thing he says to his disciples is this. We are to ask. That sounds really simple, huh? Ask. I want to say this. If you look at this word in the Greek, the word is iteo. And what I want to communicate and make sure we understand that this word in the Greek is not like you're asking someone to pass the salt at the table, right? It's not like, hey, can you hand me that? It's weightier than this. This same word is translated in Matthew 5.42 like this. Give to the one who begs. So it's, it's, it's a pleading, right? It's a, it's, it's a begging, right? It's a, like a beggar going to someone and saying, please give this to me. We are to ask, we are to beg, we are to plead. And it's not like, hey, if you don't mind, could you pass me the salt? Could you get me a glass of water? It is this really weighty word. And church, it's designed, I believe, Jesus has designed this to remind us of our position and God's position, right? He is 
the ruler of all things. He has all the power. He is our heavenly father to be sure. But when we go and we ask, I want to be meeker. I want to have a spirit of generosity. I am to ask God. I am to plead with him. I am to fall to my knees and ask God. I need spiritual growth. I am lacking in this area. Would you please grace me? Would you please give me? Would you give me strength and maturity in this way. Now, oddly enough, I believe this is something I've missed before, and, and I think many believers have missed this as well. I'm just simply asking. I mean, pleading, begging before King Jesus. I've got lots of examples. I just want to share one with you. I've had individuals come into my office, and they'll say something like this. They'll say, these are good people. These are good people. Um, they'll say something like this, Pastor Travis, my affections for Jesus and the church are not what they once were. Right? I don't have the affection that I did. and I've lost my first love. And they'll say something like this, more or less, they'll say, I've started reading the Bible more and I'm trying to stir the affection. I- I'm going to church more trying to Stir my affection. I've confessed every known sin that I have, but I still find that I don't have the same love for Jesus and the church as I once did. And here's what I say. I say this. Have you tried asking God to restore your first love? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean pleading. Get on your hands and your knees and beg. God says in Matthew 7, 7, if you are lacking in spiritual growth, if you're lacking things that you know you need, come to him, ask, and he will give to you. Now, (laughs) all this stuff is good, but um, I think I'd like to share something from, from, from... from, from my, own, my own story. Um, several years ago, man, um, I don't know, um, there was a gentleman, <laughs> don't judge me, we talked about that last week, right? <laughs> and for whatever reason, I found him very difficult to love. I know none of you can relate to that. But it bothered me. I'm like, God, I would really like to have a love for this guy, and I don't know how to start loving him And in my quiet time, in my office, um, I felt the Lord really press upon me. Get on your knees and ask. Ask that I would give you a supernatural love for that individual. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, well, my first thought was that seems kind of simple. Nonetheless, when I feel the Lord pressing upon me to the best of my ability, I'll obey. So I dropped to my knees and through tears... And on my face, before my God, I said, God, give me a supernatural love for this man. Give me a supernatural love for this man. And he did. I can't explain it. In fact, it's so weird. <laughs> this last week, I ran into him as I'm preparing the sermon. And I just, like, I love you, man. Now, he's still a little weird, dude. But, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, I love the man. God is Faithful. We need to be a people who ask. Ask the king. Second thing he says, we're to seek. We are to seek. So not only are we to ask for these spiritual blessings, we're to seek, okay? Once again, this is a strong word. It's not this casual looking around. 
It's seeking diligently. It's seeking ferociously. It's seeking with great intent. I can give you some examples. One exa- Here's one example that came to my mind. How are we to seek? Okay, have you ever been around somebody who's lost their phone? Have you? And they're nuts, dude. And they're nuts. They will not do a single thing until they find that phone. Have, have you ever walked into a house of someone who's lost their phone? It looks like they've been robbed. I mean, you've got... You know, the, the, the couch is here, furniture moved, they're going insane. And you know this, they're like, I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to call your phone. And they're like, I turned the ringer off. That's the worst. But they're looking ferociously, right? When people can't find their phone, they stop everything. You diligently look. I believe this is the same type of looking that Jesus says that we are to do. You are lacking a spiritual blessing. There's something that you're falling short on. There's something that you need more of. Jesus says, ask, and then come seek. But don't seek with just a little intent. Do it like you've lost your iPhone, right? Do it with everything you have. Do it ferociously. So the question from there flows in my head. Okay, I get it. But how exactly am I to search ferociously? What what does that mean? So I thought upon this, and and I believe there's at least two explicit things the Lord would have us do to seek ferociously when we're coming to Him and asking for spiritual blessings, all right? Um, I would say the first thing that we are to do is to seek in Scripture. I think seeking means opening up your Bible. I think seeking means studying Scripture. Um... I've seen this go down, man, and part of it's going on in my life as well. But you see, God has revealed himself in his word. And there's a lot of things that he's told us already. There's a lot of questions he's answered already, right? But I have seen in my life and other people's life that they will go to God and ask for answers to things that he's already clearly told them. And then they get frustrated. Well, why don't you answer me, God? Why aren't you telling me? And I believe God is saying, man, I've already told you, you need to seek diligently, ferociously in the Scripture. One thing that I've run into, and I'm quite certain it wouldn't apply to anybody here. This is another church. It doesn't matter. Other Christians, not us. But people will say something like this. They'll say, man, Pastor Travis, um, I've been praying that God would reveal to me if I should join a church and be a member and then get involved in a church, but he's not answering me. And my response is always, uh, you don't really need to ask. You don't have to pray about that. I mean, that's one of those things you really don't have to pray about because God has communicated to us that if you're a believer, you're not to forsake the assembly, you're to be a member of a church, and likewise, he's given you gifts, abilities, and talents to work out in that church, so you really don't have to pray about that. You can ask, what, maybe, would you like me to be a part of this church or this church? You can pray through that, but to sit there and get frustrated at God because he's not answering you something he's already clearly said is just really, it's, it's craziness. It's craziness. So I think we've got to seek Scripture. That's ferociously seeking. Has God seen? Has God already spoken? Second thing that I believe that seeking ferociously 
includes is that we are to seek godly counsel. And that's what I believe. I believe God speaks through wise, godly counsel. But I believe that many of us, and I've been guilty of this as well, we do not do this, right? So I think we should just not seek scripture. We should also seek wise counsel. Once again, I'm going to give you an example that I brought into. Um, and this is actually multiple examples, and I'm just kind of pushing like, probably like 10 stories into one story, but here's how it goes down. Young man comes to my office. Good guy, love him. He's got wonderful Christian parents. Good guy. And he says this. He says, Pastor Travis, I've been wanting to do something for a long time, and I've been praying about it, but I just haven't got an answer from God. I'm really frustrated. All right? What is this that you've been praying about for so long? Let me hear it. Something like this. Here's what I'm thinking I'd like to do. I want to um, take a semester off of school, and I kind of just want to hitchhike and camp across America. That's what he wants to do. And he goes, but I'm praying and I'm asking, but God hasn't given me any insight. And I ask him, I say this, have you asked your parents? They're godly men, man and woman, have you asked them? And he's like, I have asked them, but they think it's a lame ideal, right? He goes, but I want to hear from God. Okay, okay. Have you asked any of the leadership in your church about this? Maybe a pastor or whoever, someone else that you're close to in church? Goes, yeah, I've asked this person and this person. What did they say? What did they say? What did they say? Well, they said it's a pretty lame ideal, but here's the deal. They don't get me, and I just want to hear from God. Okay, okay. Have you asked anybody of your peers who are godly and know what's going on in your life? Have you asked them? And they're like, he was like, I have, I have. What have they said? He goes, well, you know, across the board, they just think it's a really lame ideal, but I just want to hear from God. And my reply is, I think you have. I think you've heard from God. I just don't think you want to listen to God. Every bit of wise counsel that you've sought input in has told you this isn't a wise ideal. So I would submit to you that as you've been praying to God, God's been speaking to you. You just don't want to hear. And perhaps you need to go to school. All right? So I think seeking is looking at Scripture, getting wise counsel, praying, Third thing, King Jesus says, we ask, we seek. Third thing is, we knock. All right? This is pretty straightforward. This is the same word we would use for pounding on a door, banging on a door. It's you persevere in boldness. You desire obtaining something. Like, I don't know, like when I was a kid, Halloween, you knock on somebody's door, and they got their light on, but they don't answer the door. What you do next? You hit it harder. <laughs> what do you do next? Hit it harder. What do you do after that? You knock a window out. That's what you do. No, no. Trick or treat. I don't know, but the deal is, that's the point here. We want what's inside. We want what's on the other side of that door, and we're not leaving until someone gives us an answer. So we don't just tap, man. We don't just say, I wish someone would open this door. We knock. We pound. We Bane. So let me ask you a question in regards to spiritual blessings. Do you pray like a beggar? Do you search ferociously in the same way that you search for your lost phone? And do you knock and do you pound on that door? 
I would submit to you that many of us do not. And Jesus is saying, you should. If there's a spiritual blessing that you're missing, if there's something that that I have said in the Sermon on the Mount that you are falling short on specifically, ask, seek, and not. Not, we do it with persistence. Second thing he says, we are to pray with confidence. That's verse 8. Christians are to pray for these things with confidence because, here we go, Jesus makes an astounding promise in verse 8. Check this out. This is from King Jesus. This is amazing to me. He says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. This is a tremendous promise, and yes, we can have confidence that he will answer, but it's not a blank check. It is not a blank check for anyone at any time to ask anything, and God's going to jump through your jump through hoops for you. Let me, let me, just, show, let me just work this out for you. You've got to see this. You've got to see this, okay? First thing I would like for everyone here to do is to underline this word, everyone. All right? Because that causes maybe some confusion. This word, everyone, is not a universal everyone, right? This everyone does not include God-haters, sin-lovers, self-exalting people. Remember, this is the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to Christians right before him, his disciples. The whole message has only been to Christians. Why in the world would the message all of a sudden shift for those who do not love Jesus? God is not under any obligation to answer every prayer Even if you don't love him and you love sin, you don't believe in him, you're hostile towards him. He is not. It is not a universal everyone. It's to Christians. This whole thing is to Christians. The second thing I want you to underline real quick is this word, ask. Because we, man, because we 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 pull this out of context, we proof text it. One of us says, ask, man, you know what? I would really like a new car. I'd like a bigger house and, um, Whatever, whatever the list, more money, whatever it is. Once again, remember it's in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is talking about spiritual blessings. This is not a universal everything. Just think about it, think about it. The whole Sermon on the Mount, it begins with the Beatitudes, which is blessings, right? Every single verse, two chapters, it's all been about spiritual blessings. So my question is, why in the world would Jesus all of a sudden start talking about how you can get more money? Why would he all of a sudden start talking about your car or things that you would want? No, he's not. It's in the same context. It's in the same flow. He's talking about the very same thing he's been talking about the whole time. He's talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Let me give you, I'll show, show you a verse that helps us understand this. James 4, 3. Let me read this to you, because you're going to see very clearly that you can ask, and it doesn't mean you receive. Check it out. James says this, you ask, and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly. What does wrongly mean? Look, to spend it on your passions. 
You can't go around asking God to give you whatever you want under any spiritual condition, and he's bound to do this. Let me show you, I'm just going to share with you something that I hope is useful, because I see people doing this a lot. I've done this as, as well, and I've repented. God will not give you more of your idols. God will not give you more of your false gods. And I have heard and I have seen people on their hands and knees, passionate and sincerely, asking God to give them more of their idol. He ain't going to do it. He only gives good things. He's not going to give you more of your idol. He won't do it. I don't care how many times you ask. You say, what's an example? Let me just give you one example. You got a man. And this man's a workaholic. It keeps him away from Jesus and his relationship to Jesus. He gets his identity from work. He gets everything from work. One Sunday he goes to church. He comes to the altar. And he prays passionately something like this. God, would you please give me a promotion at work? And if you give me that promotion at work, I will be more generous. That prayer is problematic. And just because that man's praying it, you should not expect God to answer it. First reason why? Work is that man's idol. God is not going to give him more of his idol. God is not going to give him more of the very thing that keeps him away from Jesus. And that could be many things for many of us. I've seen people ask for a lot of idols, be it um, their new car, be it a bigger house, be it, be it all sorts of things. They're like, Jesus, please give me more of my idol. But they wouldn't call it their idol, but that is exactly what it is. It's their false God. Second thing, with a gentleman who prays something like this, when he says, God, if you give me... <laughs> oh, come on. Because he said, God, if you give me that... People have said this to me. If God answers this prayer... Oh, let's get really specific. I remember one time when I was on the mission field, I was visiting with somebody in the States. I didn't solicit them for any money. And they told me this. They said, I want you to pray for me. And if the God blesses my business in this way, he gave me a figure. He said, I'm going to give $5,000 to the, the, the church plant there in Dar es Salaam. And I'm like, whatever, dude. I didn't, whatever, whatever. I find this very curious. Making deals with Jesus, right? So the, the man is saying, if God answers my prayer, then I'm going to do the very thing I should have already been doing. What do you mean, man? Like, like, like God's some sort of salesman sitting there in heaven looking down, and he wants to offer us incentives, that's not King Jesus. King Jesus ain't sitting there looking down saying, I wish that person was on my team. Tell you what I'm going to do. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him some incentives. I'm going to overlook some sins just so he could be on my team. No, we don't make deals with Jesus. Guys, Jesus is the deal. Jesus is the deal. And here, here's the, 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 the greatest deal ever, right? You, can, you, you, you confess your sins, you repent, and you turn. You trust in the works on the cross. He gives you his righteousness, and he takes your sin. You're not going to get a better deal than that. And we can't go around sitting here praying these lame prayers. 
Give me more of my idol, God. And if you give me more of my idol, then I'm going to do what I already should have been doing. And then we get frustrated. We're like, he didn't answer my prayer. He didn't do what I asked him to do. Oh, my goodness. What an evil God. He wouldn't give you your idol? He wouldn't reward you for doing something that you should have already been doing before? Oh, yeah. Bring your charge against this great God. People, get, people leave the church because God didn't answer. God didn't give me my false God. But we can have confidence that if we ask for the things he desires for us to have, spiritual blessings, there's confidence he will indeed answer. Three, he says we're to pray with assurance. What I mean by this is we can be sure when we pray for spiritual blessings that he will give us them wisely and graciously. Let's go through this real quick, verse 9. Or which one of you, if he asks his son for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Okay, that's good. That's really good. That's good. I, I, that's, that's good. Like, 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 like Jesus says here, we're to go to God for, for the things, we're, these spiritual blessings, like a child goes to their parents for food. Right? For fish or for a loaf of bread. Um, my kids never really come up to me and says, hey, Dad, can I have a piece of fish? But, you know, nonetheless, you know, it's the same thing. My kids expect me to give them the necessities of life, and they have an assurance that I will indeed give that to them. So I was thinking about this this week. Once again, I'm going to share some stuff with you, and um, don't judge me, all right? I don't think any parent will judge me, but you've been there, man. Like, 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 of course, my kids are upstairs, they're playing, right? So maybe, maybe I go to my room downstairs. Maybe I close the door, maybe I lock it, okay? I don't know. Maybe. I got to read and, and whatever, and I'm reading, and then I hear my kids, they start yelling, they're hungry, right? And more they say, my kids, they don't come down, and they yell, I just yell, Dad, we're hungry, can we have a snack? Now, at that time, i got several options. One is to do something. Two is to do nothing. I usually do nothing, okay? Once again, don't judge me. I'm not a perfect father. And so I sit there, and they'll ask. They'll, I'm telling you, they're going to ask about three or four times. On that fourth time, next thing I hear is this. They're seeking me now. They're coming down. They're going to find me. They want their snack, right? Now, at that point, if you're not a parent yet, here's what you do. You get really, really quiet, okay? <laughs> That's what you do. All right, you get really quiet. And the way, going here and, and here, I kid you not, my wife and I have locked ourselves in the pantry with a bar of chocolate. Shh, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, the kids. And you're laughing because you all done that too. All right? Sooner or later, they'll see that my, club, my door is closed and they'll come and they'll, they'll knock on it. At that point, I get up, I open my door. <laughs> What do you guys want? What do you want? Like, I haven't heard them, I know. Dad, we're kind of hungry. Can we have a snack? And I reach my pocket and I say, Here's a rock, right? Nobody does that. And I'm not even a good dad, right? I'm locking myself in the room. But I know I can't give my kids a rock. I get up and they're confident and they're assured that I'm going to actually give them something to eat. Probably an Oreo because I want one too. And Jesus is saying the exact same thing. 
We can have confidence that when we go to God the Father to ask for the basic necessities of our Christian walk, He will supply that need. Verse 11, check this out. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Church, this is so tremendous. Never doubt this. Never doubt this. God is a giver of good gifts. That's what it says. He gives good things. That's what our God does. I do want you to briefly do something, though. I want to cover this because Jesus says it. If you can, underline who are evil. I find that interesting. Jesus just said, you dudes are evil. And what's really interesting also is he doesn't say we. Like Jesus say, I'm with you guys. He's not because he's not evil. And so you might be tempted to think, well, he must be looking at some really bad guys. No. He's looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, Andrew. These guys will be the apostles. These guys will write the Bible. These guys will plant churches, lead the church. And Jesus looks at them and says, you guys are evil. And not a single one of them says, no, not, not, no, not even Peter. Peter says, no, 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 I'm not, no. They're, they're no. They're evil. Church, I think that one of the greatest things Helpful things for you and I to always keep before us is this simple fact. The flesh, apart from Jesus Christ saving us and indwelling us, we are evil. Every inclination of the mind and the heart is evil. Jesus never looks at a man or woman and says, that person there isn't that bad. Genesis to Revelation, same thing declared all the way through. Apart from Jesus Christ, there is no good in us at all. Let me share Jeremiah 17, 9 with you really quick. This is what he says. The heart is deceitful above all things. Look at this. And desperately, desperately sick. Who can understand it? So I love my God, my King, my Lord, my Jesus I have not been good to him, but he has been good to me. And I would caution you here, it's really popular in the world today when someone asks for advice for the world to say something like this, follow your heart. I say this, don't follow your heart, follow Jesus. Nonetheless, Jesus says, if we who are evil, know how to give our kids good gifts, how much more can we be confident that our and assured that our great Father will give us good things? So let me wrap it up this way. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had just told us that we are to pray with persistence. We are to pray with confidence and assurance. And he tells us that God will give us all good things spiritually if we ask. And he says, like a beggar, and you seek like you've done lost your iPhone, and you knock like you want it with persistence. It's his policy to always give greater quality and quantity than you and I could ever imagine. So let me say it like this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus says here, 
If you ask, he will save you. If you're a Christian and you find yourself, I don't have a lot of the Christian graces, I want more. Jesus says, ask. You find that you are not very truthful, you struggle with the truth, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, and I will help you become a truth teller. You say, I'm not very generous. I would say this, ask, seek, and knock, and Jesus guarantees you he will give you a generous spirit. You can say, you know, I'm really not that kind. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, and I will give you a spirit of kindness. Church, we want to be a people who ask and seek and knock, and we cry out to our God for all the spiritual blessings that he would have for us all the Sermon on the Mount, every single bit of it, from the meekness to the humility, right? To being salt, to being light, to loving my enemy, to not passing judgment, to loving ferociously, to to telling many about Jesus. I will ask and I will seek and I will knock. And he says here, God will answer. Let us be a church that does these things. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.